0: chapter thirteen of the column of dust by evelyn underhill this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by josh middeldorf sightseeing i spoke as i saw i report as a man may of god's work all's love yet all's law what my soul see thus far and no farther when doors great and small nine and ninety flew ope at one touch should the hundredth the pole browning soul. the idea of friendship as also the idea of fatherhood was vaguely connected in andrew's simple mind with the necessity of giving treats hence when he was disappointed of his first intention and forbidden to take felix to see the return of the polish emperor from his luncheon at the guild hall he naturally and immediately conceived the notion of offering to Constance the pleasure which he might not give his son. The result had been odd and unexpected for both of them. Constance, hitherto, had left these pageants on one side, as events hardly affecting even the fringe of her consciousness. But Andrew's solid acceptance of the thing as pleasant and important as something which counted in the Londoner's life had stirred her to interest, and the watcher's inevitable questions concerning the necessity of running in crowds to see the ever-decaying bodies of other little creatures carried by had even urged her to a justification of the performance. In spite of her extended experience, she was still bound by the emotional limitations of the citizen. The return from the hills to the hive had not been wholly destitute of joy. When she could forget the cold ring set about her, the adorable and uncomprehensible truth which had somewhere somehow pierced the dream to tease her vision and elude her grasp she resumed that vicarious arrogance which is the birthright of the london child and her new-found adoration of beauty gave a touch of poetry to her pride westminster abbey the whitechapel road the river the shops the streaming traffic the blue and golden lamps in the magic dusk each seemed to her now significant and delightful things fully charged with the spirit of life even the joyous clatter of smithfield market the sixpenny rabbits and ninepenny pines the shops devoted to instruments of murder the magnificent offices of the london offal company she had held worthy of exhibition to the watcher whose nascent perceptions they confused he said the chemical side of life the building up of all your fragile tissues to make them last until you have to go away all this seems to give great pleasure you seem to think that the manner of it matters a great deal it is surprising but i am glad i think it is in the ecstasy of eating that many of you come nearest the idea but having been so kind to your bodies and cherished them you must find it very hard at the finish to put them on one side i suppose however that there are also many places where you may purchase food for the upbuilding of the soul at that in a dutiful spirit she had shown him a church of course it was empty for there was no service in progress and she felt that he was becoming unreasonable when he drew her attention to this fact the place was well kept though naturally enough it seemed a little dingy when one contrasted it with the bright life of the theatre the drawing-room and the street but there was a thick expensive sanctuary carpet and an extremely handsome reredos behind the altar carved and painted in a small archaic style with early italian seraphim bearing a long curled scroll therefore with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven we laud and magnify thy glorious name said the scroll in golden gothic letters it flung this superb declaration down the chill and desolate church which seemed to laugh cynically in reply outside in the sun the spirit of praise might be active and with it the angels that web of ministering love which men call natural forces there played without hindrance about all living things inviting the crescent soul to adoration here the stiff militant rows of red hassocks like vigilant constables ready to check the results of a possible spiritual enthusiasm reminded intending devotion that an established religion looks to comfort and decorum even in the affairs of the soul So. "'People in general do know that we exist?' said the Watcher. "'Really know, have even gone so far as to give us names "'and talk about us as if we were true. "'I'm surprised, and here they say that they unite with us. "'Unite in what? "'Nothing seems to be happening. "'There's no aspect of reality here. "'If there was, surely some of you would feel it and care about it, "'as he did.' whom we found in the hills. But you do not truly wish us to be with you. You would only be frightened and astonished if we came. You crowded peoples who build such dismal places as this out of respect for a reality that someone once told you about. It were better to go back to your eating and growing and begetting. Then he had whispered rather sadly, to laud and magnify how great a destiny helping the idea loving it and increasing it strange mad little people to find so great a concept and write it up and leave it all alone such experiences as these had not encouraged constance to hope that the royal procession could make any pleasing impression upon so critical a creature who displayed despite the varied opportunities that she had offered him such astounding tardiness in the acquirement of common sense. As for her, she looked as a child might for some glittering regal thing, for an exhibition part splendid, part amusing, and for the presence of a crowd which always delighted her. When she stood by Andrew at the window in Oxford Street, where two admirable seats had been reserved, and looked down on the wide graveled road and the thicket of heads on either side of it, Peering anxiously for the first sweep of the soldiers, she caught their infection, and became in her turn absurdly eager over this trivial passage of a doubtless trivial personality from one end to the other of the town. Andrew was pleased, and encouraged her, saying, Nearly time now. I think I hear him cheering. Hope he will get a good reception. These foreigners think a lot of that. By jove there are the guards already here he comes the crowd bristled as if a breeze had passed over it and down the centre of the wide pale street the solemn life-guards came trotting with the steady unhurried air of dramatic things and in the midst of the pageant its very eye guarded and carried as a sacred relic through the streets there was a little old and wearied man whom all europe knew to be diseased and whom some pitied some despised but none ever reverenced the flashing and murderous swords of his bodyguard went before and behind him as a warning to the people that this one ebbing and imperfect life should be protected even at the sacrifice of other growing lives the little grey man was almost swallowed up by his huge carriage And by the imperial richness of the cloak that propped him in his place he raised a claw-like hand to return the salutations of the people now here as it seemed was a manifest sham and absurdity here was something an inconsistent wreck for the savage ages which pure and emancipated spirit could never understand where indeed could it touch eternal matters this temporary erection of impotent dolls once it had passed and the cheering had died constance herself thought it but foolishness pathetic perhaps but evidently ripe for the destroying hand of that progress which talks so much about the trowel but always seems more ready with the sword therefore it was with amazement that she perceived the watcher to abase himself with an eager comprehension as if here again he recognised something which had immediate relations with reality he it was plain did not see the little huddled invalid the remnant of a too adventurous youth who had set out upon his progress supported by stimulants and bore it by reason of a careful disposition of hot-water bottles as the vision of the initiate passes unheeding beyond the bread and wine and sees unveiled the object of all love so he saw sovereignty the ruling and governing idea behind its poor image and hardly perceived the shabbiness of the symbol through which he gazed andrew at her elbow had whispered by jove the poor chap does look rocky they say he can't last very long within her mind the watcher said But this will last forever and forever. It is eternal. It is true. It is a showing of the will. She answered, No, you are mistaken. The tendency of social evolution is against it. We are eliminating these things from the modern state. He said, You cannot eliminate the idea, though apparently you find it very easy to forget. Oh, no, of course not. But monarchy has lost touch with the real. It is just a survival now a picturesque sham it is all one all part of it he exclaimed and that is why in spite of all your talking you cannot never will shake off its spell love law authority they all belong they are the thinking the living the loving of the will do you not see the great rules the huge lines of it the meshes of the eternal web Love and the Grail, Law and the King. If you do not, what is the use of being here? And what is the instinct that brings you all to look upon this sight? She had a glimpse of it then, was moved by the mighty ideal of government and by this small, insistent emblem of a stability which owed nothing to the individual, but transcended persons, asserting itself as an actual expression of life. It was the aggregate reality of the state brought to a point and expressed in personality as the ideal truths which man is to assimilate must always be expressed they had an early tea together with the friendly and irresponsible sense of picnicking which is peculiar to london's saturday afternoons she already knew the exact amount of sugar that andrew liked and he was astonished that she should so easily remember a fact which muriel had never learned then because it was one of those soft october days when languid pleasures seemed the best they walked into the park and sat there the gentle grayness of the landscape pleased constance lulled her mind london when she dons her veil of citizenship is always very friendly to the soul the sky she noticed had that hint of coral pink in it which only great cities seem able to impart and against it the shrouded forms of the houses the great mass of st george's hospital stood up with a mild but invulnerable dignity the motors and carriages as they passed were grey too and had grey people inside them for this hour the illusion of colour was taken away from the world and she obtained a new sight of it freed from the chains at least of one tyrannous sense. This, she thought, might indeed be a part of that dreamy universe, that projection of omnipotent will held in a ceaseless state of flux by the thought that informed it, which the watcher's vague statements seemed to describe. Even such traffic as there was went dimly and silently. She gazed at it with sleepy eyes when, suddenly, a rider brought his shadowy horse to the railings and disclosed him as being brown, after all. There was a touch of fairy in the transformation, and she said gently and vaguely, Isn't it strange and colourless this afternoon? When that horse came up and disturbed things, I was beginning to think that all the world was grey. Andrew replied, Afraid we shall have a foggy night. Anticyclonic weather. It is beautiful. I love it. Yes, pretty effect, said Vince, but these early autumn fogs are nasty things for people who are weak about the chest. She returned automatically to the plane which her friend called Actual and said, half to herself, I suppose they are. I must be careful of Vera at the beginning of the winter she so easily picks up a cold. Ah, my little niece, you know, who lives with me didn't know said andrew astonished awfully sorry no notion of it poor little kid why didn't you tell me she might have come with us to see the show she has gone to the zoo with some other children they were her landlady's sons but constance did not think this detail essential i'm awfully glad observed andrew presently that you've got a little girl to look after it's an interest a woman all alone no ties no future nothing to pet one doesn't like the idea of it against nature but children are ripping companions even when they're not your own she had never looked upon vera in this light she felt that she had been corrected and to her ears there was a new note of humility in her assent can't be bored by kids continued andrew happily They're a sort of everlasting interest, coming on all the while, developing, don't you know, and so on. Look at Felix, the boy in him just breaking out, a bit hard on Muriel after having him at her apron string for so long. I'm afraid she doesn't altogether like it. But life is life. It can't be helped. You must bring your little niece to tea one day. Good for Felix having other children to play with. "'Teaches them to give and take a bit, don't you know?' "'I don't let her go to parties,' said Constance hastily. "'You're quite right. It excites them. "'I don't mean a party, just a feed of bread and jam and a few games.' "'The soft grey city was spoilt for her now, "'and the pleasant idle companionship. "'The watcher said, "'What is wrong, and why are you grieved? "'Is not this man your friend, and are you not together?' and is this not what human beings always desire you tire me you are so full of confused witches and curious little griefs i cannot help you for i cannot find the thread she rose in spite of andrew's expostulations with the evident determination of saying good-bye it had come into her mind that she might call on mrs reed before returning home and thus vince would be unable to escort her to her lodgings and make the acquaintance of the child she had wished if she might to preserve her simple relation with him as a solitary woman about whom there was nothing to be said but vera carried with her the note of squalor and confusion which wrecks platonic friendships and causes even the most cultivated and tolerant of hostesses to experience a certain searching of the heart End of chapter 13